Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we can look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 521. We are back again doing listener emails. I really want to start off 2024 with like a very manageable email inbox. So I want to make sure that we're getting all those out there. So this week, it's all about you. Here we go. All right, time to answer some emails. And the first email is from Jim Kuntz. Hey there, I'm trying to disseminate some information that I received over the past few months that I believe is important for passengers pre-purchasing specialty dining packages. I have learned from multiple servers in the specialty restaurants that they don't receive any of the gratuities prepaid through the cruise planner. What's shocking to me as many passengers believe they've already paid gratuities to the servers. I questioned Royal Caribbean on the matter, and after some 10 emails, I have the entire chain, they stated that the gratuities go to staff members like Royal Caribbean does for the daily gratuities charge, but stated the percentages for each staff member, quote, is proprietary, it will not be disclosed, end quote. Clearly, as the multiple servers on multiple ships disclosed to me, they don't get any of the prepaid gratuities and only the additional gratuities paid to them. Well, this is very disturbing and really made me feel terrible for the servers in the specialty restaurant. I think this is an important topic for passengers as more and more are purchasing the limited dining package or multi-night plans. Jim, thanks for the email. You know, it's an interesting topic. Gratuities in general, people always get very interested about in terms of, you know, does it go to the right people? Here's what I've always thought about this, and I'm not, I understand that you got the email chain from somebody at Royal Caribbean. Honestly, I don't know what to believe when it comes to this stuff, because let's face it, the servers aren't dumb. They understand that people think they're going in there and being paid these things. It's hard to imagine that's not the case. When you go to any specialty restaurant, you know, at the very bottom of the receipt, it says the something, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but part of the cost of your meal goes towards the gratuity, and that's what you get there with the, the meal. Now, in the old days, pre-dining package, if you paid, you know, $30 to go to Chops, again, back then it was $30 to go to Chops, you know, it would have been a percentage of that was for the server and a percentage of that was for the extra cost of the food. Obviously, the price has gone up considerably. I am sure there's much more of a profit center related to that. But the servers know that everybody coming into that restaurant, and most of them do have a dining package, are expecting that's the case to be. I mean, it's not like they're going in there blind, like, what? You guys all paid money that's supposed to come to us? I don't know. Maybe I'm naive on that front. I, I'm not honestly sure. The other thing to consider is I don't really have a crew member who's a waiter that I've known well enough to ask that question. I'll simply say, I think the crew members should definitely be taken care of and they deserve the gratuities that they're entitled to. And I think tipping on a cruise ship is vitally important, even though it's considered this like extra cost item to me, it is a fundamental core part of the cruise vacation in the same way that if you have to fly to your cruise, it's part of your overall cruise vacation cost, if that makes sense. I think it's just it's not an optional thing. And I think it's compulsory in my personal opinion. That being said, it's hard to figure out because there's a business side of this where Royal Caribbean and the waiters have however they're being compensated and how that money's going down there. I don't have good idea of what that really looks like. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're right, you're wrong, Royal Caribbean is right or wrong. I simply don't know. We're all getting third-hand information from different sources. So I certainly, when I go to a restaurant, especially a restaurant, I almost always tip a little bit on top of that. You know, like an extra $10 a head is kind of my going rate for that. And part of that is I think they just deserve something extra for it, number one. And maybe subconsciously, that's also a way to kind of circumvent that little issue there. I just, when it comes to gratuities in general, the people working on the cruise ship, and many of which who have been there contract after contract after contract, I mean, either they're completely naive of what's going on, I don't think that's the case, or perhaps it's not quite as slanted as some people might want to believe. I, I simply don't know, Jim, but I appreciate you sending the email, and I hope that 
at some point we'll have a better sense of how that works with the dining package. I, I just don't think we have enough information to jump to any conclusions quite yet. Ryan Gregory answered next email. Hey, Royal Caribbean blog team, huge fan of the channel. Took the family on Mariner of the Seas a couple weeks ago. Thought your newest video tips. One recommendation I did not see on the video, but the topic of a CPAS was covered. You can download your CPAS to your phone wallet if you have an iPhone and you won't have issues with printing or having to take a screenshot. Not sure if Royal Caribbean allows screenshots, but many sporting events will not accept a screenshot as a valid ticket. Thanks for the uh, email, Ryan. So they definitely do accept the screenshot because the screenshot looks exactly the same as the set sail pass in the app. The problem I ran into, I've had like two or three cruises in which I got to the cruise terminal, opened the Royal Caribbean app, and the set sail pass wouldn't load at all. And in that scenario, it's too late to even add it to the, to, uh, you know, to my wallet or anything like that. I get what you're saying there, Ryan. Oh, we should have added to the wallet beforehand. The problem is I have to think to do that. And I usually don't. I usually just get to the, I, I get to the, you know, the cruise terminal. I'm like, oh, I need my set sail pass. Let me grab it. The same way that when I go on a flight on an airplane, when I have my boarding pass, I do the exact same thing. I don't look at it until I actually get to the airport. And so that's why screenshots might be a, be a good idea. But to your point, if I can get it up for the screenshot, I can also get it for adding it to my wallet. So a very appropriate recommendation there. Thank you, Ryan. Our next email is coming to us from Jim. Hey, Matt, I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. It's very informative and helpful. I'm selling an adventure of the seas in September of 2024. I originally booked the Royal Caribbean group booking without a travel agent. We did not get the amount of people that I thought I would get for the group to qualify for any discounts. I know you always say that you can rebook to get a better price. Do you have any advice or help to find the best price for the cruise if I can even rebook thanks in advance? When it comes to rebooking, whether you're going through a group or on your own or what have you, the process is pretty much the same, Jim, and I'm assuming you're a resident of the US or Canada or another country that allows it, aka you're not a resident of the United Kingdom. When it comes to this, I will say, uh, obviously you have until final payment date to be able to reprice a cruise. And basically what that means is up until your final payment date, if you were to do a mock booking for the same cabin category, not just like, oh, I'm at an ocean view, so any ocean view price, it's gotta be the same category. On your original booking, you know, say like, you know, category, I don't know, 4D or something like that. You need that to be the exact same category. If the price were lower, then all you have to do is call Royal Caribbean and have them reprice it and and apply the, the the discount there and you can do that as many times as you want up until final payment date now i'm going to assume since you booked the cruise probably a while ago or at least more than 30 days ago it's too late to now transfer it to a travel agent by the way jim you could have in retrospect you could have still gotten your group got all the benefits of booking with a group but gone through a travel agent and they could have also made that process easier on you something to think about for the next time but you know, obviously another benefit of booking through a travel agent is if you do see a better price, you just shoot them off a little email or a text or a phone call, whatever works for you. And they can then go ahead and process it and go on there. In fact, travel agents have a lot easier because they have an online tool that they can access to reprice quickly, as opposed to you and I, if we're booking directly with the cruise line, you have to actually call in in order to make that work. And you got to deal with the you know, hold times and whatnot. So something to keep in mind. Our next email is from Dana. We haven't cruised for over 20 years. When we decided to cruise once again, I figured I'd have to start from scratch. Listening to your podcast helped immensely. It was a celebration of my wife's 50th birthday. Her high school best friend and husband picked the cruise, Voyager of the Seas out of Galveston. They went through Royal Caribbean directly. Following your advice, we went through a travel agency, saving us hundreds as well as receiving onboard credit. Our friends highly recommended a balcony room. Going through our travel agent, I found that a junior suite and insurance wasn't going to cost much more. I took the risk and opted for the guaranteed cabin 
saving us hundreds. After hearing your advice, I felt like I made a mistake. The day came when our room was aside, and to my surprise, we ended up on the bump on the 10th floor. Through your podcast, I heard this was a good thing. And after going on the cruise, I couldn't have been more happier with the location. We had traveled to Royal Caribbean twice many years ago, and I figured I'd see if they would give us points for those trips, really not expecting them to have records that far back. The loyalty desk found both of our sailings and made us gold members, giving us the basic perks, but perks nonetheless. We've been happy with the Royal Caribbean and plan to sail with them again. Thanks for your enthusiasm and great advice. Dana, I'm so glad to hear this worked out for you. First of all, welcome back after 20 years. And most importantly, that you took advantage of one of my favorite tips, which is the book with a good travel agent, make your life easier, maybe save you some money along the way too. That's fantastic, Dana. So thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that all these words I just yammer on and on and on about actually help somebody out. So that is fantastic. Next email is from Gary Shepard. Thanks for the great podcast and blog. I keep getting lots of good information from you as my wife and I prepare for our fourth World Green Cruise and fifth cruise overall sailing in July of 2024 from Baltimore to Bermuda and back on Vision of the Seas. It'll be our first visit to Bermuda. And I'm wondering whether it's worth booking excursions there versus touring independently. We'll be there from 1.30 p.m. on Monday, 12.30 p.m. on Tuesday. In general, I'm a fan of cruise line excursions because of all the well-known benefits. However, for Bermuda, I'm reading that transportation and tourist attractions are so plentiful that an excursion may not be the best use of time and money. Do you have any thoughts on how to spend time in Bermuda, whether through Royal Caribbean, third-party tours, going alone, or some combination? Does Royal Caribbean have any excursions that are especially worth time and expense? Gary, great email. For Bermuda, and this is also because you were there for so long, you know, the most important things are the most popular things, I should say. You don't need a Royal Caribbean excursion. Going to Horseshoe Bay, going to Hamilton, the city, in both cases, there is public transportation. Buses available to the beach and a water ferry to Hamilton and also St. George as well, if you'd like to go there. So you really don't need a Royal Caribbean tour. There is ample transportation. In Bermuda, you actually take buses or water taxis more than more than like regular taxi like in Cozumel or really any other Caribbean port I'd be like oh Gary yeah, yeah just get a taxi but taxis are super expensive in Bermuda but buses are plentiful and very common and easy to use in Bermuda so it's much easier to go about that way so I would say in Bermuda you don't need a Royal Caribbean excursion the only reason to take a tour through Royal Caribbean is if there's something that they offer that you might not be able to get otherwise like one thing I know is popular in Bermuda is golfing and I, now as a non-golfer, maybe this is why, but I wouldn't know the first thing about getting a tee time or going about that whole process. And of course, you're, if you're bringing your own golf clubs, anyway, that might be easier to go through the cruise line for that type of a tour. Uh, otherwise, if you're just talking about, hey, I just want to go to a great beach like Horseshoe Bay, or I want to go to one of the cities, you definitely don't need a Royal Caribbean Shore excursion, especially because of course you're there for so long, right? You're doing an overnight. So the risk of being late is pretty minimal especially on the first day of your cruise. But I don't think you have too much of a problem over there, Gary. So thanks for the email in that. Our next email is from our good friend, Ed Vira. Hey, Matt, was responding to Braxton's question about baby changing tables. As somebody who cares for a disabled person, as well as somebody who changed several thousand diapers a couple decades ago when my kids were actually little, you can almost always find the baby changing table and none of those cheap pull-down tables uh, either on Royal Caribbean ships in the handicap stall of any men's room on board any of the Royal Caribbean cruises I've sailed on. Ed, thanks for the email, buddy. Appreciate that good advice related to the changing stations. That's fantastic. Actually, it's funny. We were in a restaurant the other day and my sister has a baby who needs to be changed in a diaper and she went to the bathroom. There's no baby changing tables and she was surprised by it. And, and I was too. And I told my wife, I was like, I guess we're not on Royal Caribbean because on there, there are quite a number of those. 
Next email is from Mike Bird. Hi, Matt. Love the podcast. My wife and I just got off Oasis of the Seas. While we had a good time, the pools were constantly closed due to kids vomiting or pooping in it. Pools were constantly opened, closed, drained, scrubbed, and then opened again. Having pools constantly closed on sea days overtaxed the other amenities and made the sea day difficult to navigate. Should my wife and I consider another style of ship in the future? We love the amenities of the Oasis class ships. Got a jam-packed with kids, which overtaxed the adults-only solarium. Is there a better time to take a cruise with fewer children? Is there another class ship we consider to avoid these problems? Interesting question, Mike. So, first of all, the pools being closed, that's just bad luck. I've been on ships in which that's been the case, and have plenty of other sailings in which that's not the case. So, I don't want you to think that every sailing, somebody's throwing up in the pool all the time. In fact, more often than not, it's adults throwing up in the pool, but I digress. I, I would simply say that's, that's an anomaly and not... If you were to take four cruises, three cruises in a row, Mike, on the same ship on Oasis, I think you would find that that would not be the case all the time. Just somebody, unfortunately, making poor decisions. That being said, um, are there times in which there are less kids? Well, first of all, Royal Caribbean is a family cruise line. They've always been a family cruise line. They'll always be a family cruise line. So anybody going on any Royal Caribbean cruise ship should expect kids on board. Now, there are certainly some in which there'll be less kids on board, right? You pick a cruise in the month of January, September, probably less kids on board. Why? Because those are months in which kids are back in school. They just had a, a break of some kind. So they're less likely to take vacation for that. And you generally find less. Now, I would say on a busy cruise, there might be a thousand kids on board. On a less busy cruise, there might be 600 kids on board. So I don't want to make them think like it's a Virgin Voyages cruise by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I would simply tell you that if that's really important to you, there are certain months to do that. Certainly, if school is in session, then there's prob probably less kids. Keeping in mind, by the way, that, you know, the school calendar, right? Spring break, fall break, uh, MLK weekend, things like that, in which families take off. But if you pick, you know, gosh, the uh, the first week in January, once school's back in session after New Year's, you're going to find a lot less kids on board the ship. In terms of should you choose another style of ship in the future, you know, there's an argument to be made. Obviously, if you pick a smaller ship, well, there's less people overall. Of course, the ship is smaller, and there's less facilities on board, and there's pros and cons to all of that. There's a much larger decision there. I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, Mike, you should totally go for, like, the, you know, the Radiance class, now that you've done Oasis class. Maybe you pick a Voyager class. Maybe you try the Oasis class again for the time of the year and see how that works out for you. And ultimately, you know, try as many ships as you can. There are different styles for everybody. And there's some people that love the Oasis class, some people that love the Radiance class and hate the Oasis class and everywhere in between. Uh, there isn't a right or wrong answer, Mike, so don't feel like, you know, because I like this type of ship or somebody else likes that other type of ship, that that means your experience is right or wrong for picking one or the other. You can have a great time on either. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Next, we have an email from Jody Powers. Question, we are doing the Western Caribbean, Roatan, Costa Maya, Cozumel, perfect day. I would never skip Google Key because I love it. I've got two kids, nine and six, and want to stay on a less crowded icon of the seas, one forte. Which port would you skip between the other three? Also, what beaches would you hit and who you wouldn't miss? So, Roatan, Costa Maya, Cozumel, perfect day. I'm skipping one of them, and that would be Roatan. Um... I have, I, I've been to nice beaches in Roatan. I don't have any problem with it. Unless you're like a major snorkeler. I, I just, I would skip Roatan. Uh, Cosmel, Paradise Beach, Costa Maya, Maya Chan. Those are my two favorite places to go to. Perfect day. You know, you've got plenty of choices there. So that would be my pick, Jody, to skip Roatan and go to Cosmel and Costa Maya. 
three or four days. I'm sure somebody's yelling at their at their car radio right now or something, but I promise you that I, I again, this is like different, like, I'm not saying Rotan is bad. I'm just simply saying that given the choices that gravitate more towards towards uh, Costa Maya and Cosmel. Next email is from Tasha Denton of Noblesville, Indiana. Really appreciate the blog, YouTube videos, and podcasts. They were crucial to planning our first Royal Green Cruise on Odyssey of the Seas in March of this year. We previously sailed the Norwegian Carnival, but are now for sure loyal to Royal. As for my question, we have a seven-night cruise on Wonder of the Seas booked for October of 2024. And I had a question about Costa Maya. It's an abbreviated stop. We're there from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Would it be a good value to resort beach club for that time? Or do you think that booking something else through the cruise line is our best choice because of the shortened cruise time at the port? I have unfortunately dealt with this a number of times, Tasha. And I will tell you, the beach club, resort club, whatever, is still a great choice. Number one, you gotta get off the ship early. That's like behooves you. Like you can't lollygag on this one. But you can still have a great time on there. Um, you know, obviously the price may be the issue you know, in terms of getting your full value out of it. Because, you know, realistically, you know, your ship gets there at seven. You'd have to number one check what's the earliest time you could get to your resort. Like, are they open at nine or do they open at eight? That's a big difference. And then, of course, you have to figure out, well, what time you need to get back? Well, you know, all aboard is two. So that really means you need to be back at the port by one. And that means you're leaving your resort at like noon. Yeah, it's like three or four hours, you know, realistically. Is that enough to make it worthwhile? Depending on the price, that's always a consideration. $100? Probably not. You know, $100 per person, I should say. But also, you're on vacation. You want to have a good time. Uh, I'm not sure how often you cruise, Tasha. But, I mean, I will say this. Three or four hours, having a great time at the beach, sipping margaritas is not a bad use of my time, right? Might not be the best value in the whole wide world, but not everything needs to be, like, you know, the, the best slam dunk deal ever either this is your vacation so however you want to spend your money there's no right or wrong answer there lots of people will tell you listen tasha that many times it's not worth it you know you can you can also make the argument that in costa maya they have a, a port um facility that you walk through and there's a pool there and there's no cost to go into the pool the expectation though is of course you'll order a drink at some point and you'll pay like 20 dollars a drink over there but you know um, it is an option as an, as a way to kind of do an abbreviated port day, but I wouldn't say that I wouldn't go as far as say, oh, you should book a Royal Caribbean shore excursion instead of a third party one, simply because of the timing, you're going to have the same conundrum, if you will, no matter which one you pick. Our next email is from Dave Schrader from Metro Atlanta. I love your blog and I'm going to move from Diamond to Diamond Plus in the spring for a transatlantic on Odyssey of the Seas. I noticed on my upcoming December 3rd getaway on Oasis that Rainbow doesn't seem to be offering a non-streaming version of their internet package. Thanks for the tip from Black Friday savings for two devices for one person. In the old days, you could get a version that had less bandwidth for checking email, social media, etc. And another version for streaming movies and such. Are we going back to just one tier of service? Thanks so much. Effectively, yes, Dave. When Royal Caribbean started partnering with Starlink, they got rid of the old version. I suspect, I don't know this for a fact, I suspect because... Before Starlink, they, the company they used probably gave them like a lower cost if the guest selected a lower tier service. So that's probably why they went with it. Whereas Starlink is like, here's the internet, dude, do whatever you want to do with it. And I don't think they really have that. So for that reason, and maybe just guest confusion in general, they've got rid of it. So yeah, there's just one tier. You're not missing anything essentially um, in terms of uh, your options that are there. And last email of the day is from John Morgan. Hi, Matt. Enjoyed your YouTube channel. It was extremely helpful when we were starting out as new cruisers. I've got a cruise scheduled on Jewel of the Seas 
for February 25th, but they will only allow me to book one excursion and I can't reserve anything else. How far out do they allow us to reserve spa, drink packages, etc.? Because I want to get in as early as possible to get to the thermal spa pass. And here's a cruise tip I've not heard from you. Wear funny shirts. People will laugh and start a conversation with you. And uh, actually, he sent an email here where uh, he, his t-shirt says, which way to the mustard drill, not the mustard drill. So like, which is a common mistake for some cruisers say, oh, where's the mustard drill? There's no such thing as a mustard drill. Mustard is a condiment. Muster, M-U-S-T-E-R, is the drill process. And hey, listen, I agree actually with John. Uh, funny shirts, you may roll your eyes at them sometimes, but they do start conversations. And, and cruising is such a social activity that it might be a great way to make a new friend or simply have a nice, more enjoyable elevator ride. So in terms of booking the excursion, things like that, um, there isn't a set, there's not a set time in which tours open up or things become available on the cruise planner. It's just like one day they're there and one day, one day it's not there, one day it is there. You got to keep checking back. In terms of the spa packages, usually you don't get to pre-book the thermal spa before the cruise. And all my time, you had to get it on board the ship. That being said, now I'm remembering that maybe there was a thermal spa option on there. Anyway, usually the thermal spa goes on there very... Okay, I just reread the email. It's February 25th, like 2025, not 25th. February 2025. So I would say this. I would check it like a year away, John. So February 2024 would be a good time to like check again. And then somewhere between six and nine months before you're sailing is probably when you can expect to see most of those other options in there again if there isn't a set time frame there isn't a like hey john check exactly this many days this many months before your cruise it just kind of is more arbitrary which i know is frustrating but it's the reality of it thank you to john for the email thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the royal caribbean blog podcast if you want to send me your emails you can do so by sending them to matt m-a-t-t at royal caribbean blog.com matt at royal caribbean blog.com until next time i'm matt and we'll talk again real soon